Hi there, welcome to the first official episode of the Adam and Kath Book Club. I'm Kath, and here's Adam. Adam. (laughs) Yay. This is the first episode where I've properly talked in, because that's my (laughs) sake. Oh, that's true, yeah. So today's book is Mythos. Mythos by Stephen Fry. It's just a collection of stories retold by Fry about Greek mythology and legends and all these different stories and it's really interesting yeah but before we get into that i just want to tell you what our book club is basically you know in movies you see people join a book club in school and then it's like they get together every now and then and they talk about a book they've read over the course of a month well we want to do that but we're like people online so basically we'll pick a book every month and we will read it we'll tweet about it to our followers you can follow us on twitter we'll link them below um and basically on the last Tuesday very much we'll record a podcast and you can ask us questions and we'll answer them we can send us your opinions and we'll read them out and we'll also tell you our opinions and our thoughts on the book and um, so just before we start on mythos I would like to tell you if you want to join in next month our book is The Handmaid's Tale can't wait to read that one I have actually been putting off reading it because it wasn't on audible for a while but now that it is we are using audible mainly to support the book club we if we can get the physical books that's great but we both have very busy lives yeah so it's mainly we listen to the audiobooks when we commute or when we're working when we get a bit of time and it just makes it so much easier to read because we both love to read it's just yeah. a case of when you have the time and audible has made it so much easier for us to actually be able to sit down with a good book yeah so without further ado let's get into mythos by stephen fry mythos a very good book i thoroughly enjoyed it i've always really loved greek mythology to begin yeah. with and we've just, both read percy jackson you know yeah we both read percy jackson he's read a lot more than me yeah. but i've been reading greek myths since i was like eight or nine there was this massive book in my primary school that i actually brought home and never brought back to the school i kind of just stole it and it was part picture book part more regular book like there was so many pictures and like words in between the pictures but uh, it was great and it just some backstory she does that a lot she likes to rob books from school well not anymore i've graduated like five years ago (laughs) until then she was robbing books at friends okay here's the thing bit of backstory on books and schools primary school it was super easy because they didn't really check if you brought it back because there was no system and then in secondary school like we didn't have a library we had a room full of books and then they didn't they closed that room down and started using it as a classroom again so you could just take books from there no one noticed so i started taking books from there (laughs) um i mostly read those books when i was doing an exam and i finished early Mm -hmm. but yeah so mythos mythos so mythos was written by stephen fry and a lot of people know who stephen fry is he's a very talented Talented. actor he's a he's funny as well he hosted qi and that was always awesome and he also um he did the audiobooks for harry potter he did like going into mythos i was listening to harry potter and then i went straight into mythos and it was seamless and it was confusing at times because i would fall asleep to harry potter a lot so I'd just be like there falling asleep hearing about like war and <laughs> semen and The first time I fell asleep, um like really easy with while listening to Mythos. It was the first time I listened to Mythos and I fell asleep after twenty minutes. That's the thing though, Stephen Fry's voice it's so calm but also expressive and familiar we've and all it's heard so it. comforting it is so you're just listening to it and it's so easy to drift off and if you've already like if you use audible you know there's a sleep timer on it so you could set it to like 40 minutes and then it will turn off after that 
and you know exactly how far back you need to go to re-listen to what you missed when you fell asleep. Sadly, this podcast is not sponsored by Audible, though. It's not, but hey, Audible, if you want to sponsor us, we're over here. So, yeah, no, Mythos, how would you describe this book on an individual basis? Like, how does it stand out from other books? I mean, I think it stands out just on length alone. It's a very long book. It is a long book. No, it, it's about, was it about 17 hours? 17 and a half hours. 17 and a half hours. I don't even time. know how many pages that is. I don't know. But like some books are like nine, ten hours and they're like a 300 page book. So I'd say yeah. it's a long book. And it's part of a series. It is. Yeah. It is. Because I think the, the one after this is Heroes. Yeah. And that one's just about like... Perseus and Jason Odysseus and, and Odysseus, and yeah. Yeah, we didn't read that one. No, we didn't. Oh, it's on my list. It's on our list, but we're not going to do it on the podcast because no. it's so long. I mean, I found this book to be very unique in comparison to other books because you get a lot of books like this in ancient Greece. Like, you get the Iliad and the Odyssey talking about all these Greek myth, myths and legends and, and the And they're hard to read. Yeah. They're uh, not as... I mean, of course, they're interesting stories. I tried to read the Odyssey, and just the way it was all worded just didn't click in my brain, and I yeah. just couldn't get into it. And then Mythos, the way he, it's described and the way it's updated in language, and he does comparisons. Like, he mentions Percy Jackson yeah, in that Mythos. Was wild. Like, when he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, so you're hip with the times. He's woke. <laughs> and he even talks about loads of modern concepts and it's just great yeah exactly it makes it easier for us to understand you know? because he describes no sorry he compares certain things happening in the books to like um he was talking about a couple um in the books i think he was talking about eros and psyche and comparing uh, and comparing them to like bragelina like they would have a ship name by today's standards because they were like the it couple would that have been cupid and psyche Eros and Psyche, they call him Eros in the book. They call him Cupid oh, yeah. in Rome. Yeah. Uh, Cupid, the, with Roman um, mythology and Greek mythology, a lot of it is very similar, just the names are switched. Like Hephaestus is Vulcan in Rome, and Artemis is Diana in Rome. Uh, Juno in Rome would be Hera in Greece. A lot of very, very much the same stories, tweaked names. Yeah. So if we mix up, you're going to know if we, if we mix something up, you're going to know who we're talking about or we'll, we'll explain, but that it's very easy to mix up names. Yeah, even in the um, chapter name, he calls him Cupid just cuz it's the name he's more commonly known. Exactly, cuz that's what people would know the story by normally, but he was called Eros in ancient yeah. Greece. Um So we talk about the start. The start of the book was very interesting cuz it brought to light parts of ancient greek myth i didn't actually know it's very the story the stories in mythos are very linear like there is no way to really fact check when the chronology is because it's myth of course but stephen fry does a very good job of keeping it in a kind of linear feeling flow yeah so it starts off with chaos yeah chaos who is a a being, a being that is everything and nothing at once. And then Chaos has two children, I think. Um, Nyx and another one I've yeah. forgotten. See, the problem with this part is it's the part you never hear about, so it's hard yeah. to remember. I think they have kids that are like Nyx and then another one, and it's basically darkness and light. And then you have Uranus and Gaia, so the earth and the sky. 
and there was another one. Ernest and Guy were the first one that were like really person personable. Like they had yeah, they were like the first ones that were really people. Uh, Uranus was the sky and Gaia was the earth and Uranus covered Gaia so the sky covered the earth with his body and that was a kind of cute poetic moment. It's a, it's a poetic way to describe the sex they had all the time. <laughs> yeah, constantly. And like they even go into detail in the book like, yeah, no, they were making gross humping sounds and the, the children had to hear them constantly. Oh. The amount of times you hear about sex in this book, because it's Greek myth, it's a lot. And oh, there's so much. You're going to see the word semen and seed oh. constantly. Constantly. Castration happens a lot. Yeah. I mean, a few times. Yeah. The normal like amount of castration. Two or three um, um, instances of castration go on in the book are like people gouging their eyes out. But, I mean, it's all entertaining. It was all very interesting to read. I particularly like how a lot of the stories are either explanations for something that occurs in nature or they're like fables sort of kind of like fables like they're, te- they're, they're tales to like warn you against stuff like fables yeah yeah because one of them um, King Midas mm, King Midas that's a story I knew that I didn't even know was Greek for the longest time yeah and like that one the story of Midas in most cases is usually like there was a king and he was very greedy and he wanted money so he prayed to the gods and they gave him the touch of gold but in mythos he's actually a really good hospitable king from a poor kingdom and he does right by Dionysus the god of wine's best friend Salinas I think or Salinas some of the names are very easy to blend together, but basically Midas does this guy a solid and Dionysus is like, hey, you know, I'm going to reward you for that. Name, your, name what you want. And he's like, I would like everything I touch to turn to gold because in his head he's thinking, I want to be able to take care of my family, my palace, my kingdom. I want to yeah. be able to get good stuff for my kingdom. I don't want to tax my subjects. Yeah. He's thinking good intentions. So he'd, he says, I'd like everything I touch to turn to gold. Yeah, but um, this is where Stephen Fry's humour comes in. Yeah. Because when he wakes up, he sees his daughter and his wife, and he gives them a hug. And then he sees them turn to gold, and then the words are, oh, well, I'll deal with that later. I'm sure yeah, there's a way exactly. to fix it. He's just kind of like, oh, no. Oh, well, it's fine. I'll go. I'll deal with this later. I'm sure it's fine. I'll just go do some other stuff. And he turns, like, a bunch of his soldiers into gold, and, yeah. like, all of, his, all of his, like, food and drinks and tablecloths and curtains, everything gets turned into gold. It's, like, three days before he begs for, yeah. like, a way to fix it. And, like, Midas at the beginning as well, he was like, gosh, I shouldn't trust this present. But then he's like, ooh, this is great. And then he realizes, oh, yeah, you know what? I was right. I shouldn't have trusted this present. Because the gods almost always screw you over yeah it's like the go-to like just straight away it's like oh you want to touch gold well everything is going to be gold i think he says in one line though my mother always told me not to trust god's gifts but here i am (laughs) but yeah so um but that was good that's i normally when you think of the the story of midas in like every other telling of it the cautionary tale is be careful of greed yeah but in this one it's be careful what you wish for yeah because he wasn't being greedy he was it's definitely similar but very different yeah it's like you can wish for something and then when you get it it's not what you realized or it's not what you thought you wanted so that was interesting a lot of it is really cautionary tales and, and then, then there is the second story of Midas about his ears oh uh, his ass's ears which i hadn't even heard before and it's very interesting basically um Midas goes off to follow become a follower of pan degree um fawn yeah yeah 
or satyr, I think. I think he's a satyr. They call them satyrs. Yeah. And um, see, even Fry switches between um, the Roman names and the Greek names yeah. quite a bit. But um, he becomes a follower of Pan and he becomes big into nature and all that. And one day, um, him and Pan and Apollo have a dance off, basically, <laughs> but it's with music. They have their own little version of the X. It was Factor. basically Step Up Ancient Greece. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Step Up to the Greece. Everyone said Apollo was the best. And yeah. Evil, horrible Midas had was like, I nerve. disagree. I thought Pan was better. Like, he basically got punished for having an opinion. Yeah. Which is basic, you know, like... That's it's what Simon Cowell does to all his guest judges. Yeah, it's like ancient Greece, it was just Twitter culture. You yeah. know, like, oh, someone has an opinion on Twitter and they have to get vilified for it. Same in ancient Greece. Oh, you yeah. don't you don't agree with this guy? Well, you're going to get donkey ears for the rest of your life. Yeah, fuck you, how dare you? Because, like, he does, he gets donkey ears and then he hides it for a long time and then the secret gets out and then he kills himself. Yeah. Because <laughs> he doesn't want people to know he has donkey ears. One thing is, he told his barber, I will kill you and your family if you tell anyone. Yeah. I guess that wasn't as nice as he'd been before. <laughs> yeah, maybe having the ass's ears turned him into an ass. Yeah. But, like, imagine just being like, I don't like this, like, art. It's like saying you don't like Taylor Swift, and then suddenly Taylor walks over, laughs, and then gives you... <laughs> and then suddenly you have, like, a body ears. part of an animal or something, like... Oh, you know what? I just, I really didn't like Taylor's new album. And then suddenly you grow like an elephant trunk or something. It was basically like that. Imagine the gods are just really big celebrities. On Twitter. And you know, they're going out, cheating on each other, fucking everything, having illegitimate secret children. Basically, it's just celebrities in, in like ancient Greece. Speaking of cheating, <laughs> how many of these stories are based on Zeus cheating on his wife? So many. It's um, the real housewife of Olympus. <laughs> I would watch that. I would totally watch the sh- a show that's just like the real Housewives of Olympus. Just I would enjoy that show. Here turning around like, so my husband cheated again, so I imprisoned her for 25 years and made her drink poison. The next great Netflix original, guys. <laughs> no, it was very enjoyable. It was great. I... What do you think? Well, we already kind of said we love Stephen Fry as a narrator. We already love Stephen Fry. His narration of it is great. We're always going to love the way he delivers his lines. He puts great passion and... I mean, he is an actor. So when he is delivering his lines, reading the audiobook, he already knows exactly what expressions he's going to put into it. Not to mention, he's the author of the book. He already knows exactly what he wants to convey in the words and the emotions that the characters are developing and showing as they speak. Yeah, it's amazing when you have an author that can do the voice acting and the audiobook. Yeah, like it's great because like... They know what they want. Exactly. They know exactly what they want to say. And then it's bad when an author does the audiobook and you can tell they're not good at that sort of thing and it's just like, oh, you should have paid someone to do it for you. Yeah, no, we had a very good... There was like a strike of luck here where Stephen Fry wrote this and he also executed the voice acting for the audiobook. That was... It was very good that it ended up that way because... If it had been anyone else, it wouldn't have felt right. If it was anyone else, it would have it wouldn't have been the same but uh no so the book is an individual it's very interesting it's very different to other books because it's basically like reading a great classic but in accessible language and easy to understand terms and there's also so many great classics in one book exactly like it there's so many different kinds of stories like a lot of them do blend together because it's a lot of this god wants to seduce this mortal and they die la 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 there is a lot of that that's true but there's so many individual stories that really strike a chord with you yeah and this book i think is a great all-over read i mean i wouldn't if you were like maybe 
13, 14, I'd say, read it, but not younger than that, because there is a lot of, like, there is some instances of rape, not described, just mentioned, and then there's, like, matricide and cannibalism and there's there's just some stuff that i guess you wouldn't want like a, a kid to read but if you were like a young teen or a teenager i'd say go for it and totally read this because it's very interesting it just shows how the times have changed how these um, tales would have been for kids back then they're like no you're too young for this there's rape and cannibalism no but that's the thing the book i had when i was a kid the greek myths for kids it edited all out in this so many things were just straight up left out and changed <laughs> like there were all these things about how zeus was romancing these people but hera in that book was never his wife <laughs> and no one was getting punished like they sometimes said hero was jealous so like she banished her but never like the stuff she actually did that jealous bitch getting mad when her husband cheats <laughs> but uh oh gosh so like yeah no the book is great to read it's the voice acting the narration itself is very good i think the characters the characters of course Stephen Fry didn't create these characters, but he definitely brought new life to them. He brought his own life into them. He did. He he breathed life into them the way Prometheus and Zeus breathed life into mankind in this book. It was great. You could see them developing, and you could see them like like you could you could clearly see them. Yeah, a great example. A great example would be um, the birth of Hermes. Yeah. Um. Because when Hermes is born, he's, like, really smart from a very young age. Yeah. On his first day of being alive, he fucks off to steal a cow from Apollo. Yeah, he's literally like, oh, hey, mum, birthed me, did you? Cool, I'm heading out, see you when I see you. He's kind of like Stewie from Family Guy. Yeah, it? he is. Um, even the voice Stephen Fry does from him is a bit like Stewie. It's from very Stewie-esque, and he's mother. just so sassy. He's like, yeah. oh, hi, mother, I just uh, stole 12 sacred cows. Uh, cook one up for me, will you? And uh, I'm also going to do this stuff. And uh, can you string this gut out? I'm going to make something with that layer. I see how I feel. I feel inspired. And I'm going to go take a nap now. Yeah. And there's like a scene in it where Apollo shows up and wakes Hermes up. And Hermes is like, can a baby not get some rest around here? I was born 12 hours ago. Will you leave me be? And it's yeah, just like, wow, he is a sassy little man. Like he brings such life to the characters. And even Zeus, when Zeus is in getting his origin story and Zeus comes up a lot obviously because he's king does, of gods yeah. no because um, he's like the main instigator for most trouble the book the book split, split into two parts and one part is like basically the origin <laughs> yeah one part is literally five different stories and, and it's then two part hours two, long yeah and part two was the entire rest of the book so it's and like, it's called the toys of Zeus exactly two hours are like part one and then 15 hours are part two and it's all Zeus boning people and then even though all of part one was Zeus because he killed Kronos and everything yeah well no he didn't kill Kronos well no no yeah that's he mystery. cut off his balls yeah yeah oh gosh castration there was so much castration and like a weird amount of people being born from castrated dicks and also from just jizz yeah, just sliding onto the ground out. like um, the seed soaked scarf is um, yeah. fried so elegantly put it mm. like here's the thing though uh, I do get why they were saying people could be born that way like with the seed soaked scarf I know that sounds really gross we will get to that later but like when Kronos gets castrated wait 
Is the Kronos that gets castrated or was it Uranus? You're doing a little Uranus because that's how Aphrodite is. Yes. So Uranus gets castrated. And after that, the earth is still so new and full of life. It's bursting with like magic and sorcery and energy. So like literally like... It's the second like, come touches it, you get a baby. You know, here's the thing. It's like when you're prepubescent and you're really sexually charged, but you don't understand it. And then like a light breeze hits your knee or something and suddenly you get a really weird tingle down below. It's like that, except birth happens immediately after. It's a personal story there. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, it's literally like that. Like a slight breeze makes you orgasm, but with birth. Yeah. So literally, like, the tiniest bit of semen will touch the earth and, like, a life form will spring up from I'm it. I'm going to go into disgusting detail on this <laughs> because um, I believe his exact words were um, in his excitement, he'd already came everywhere pretty much. Yeah, that was Hephaestus. Okay, so Hephaestus... No, it was also Uranus. Was it him too? Uranus, yep. And he was already excited, so his dick was covered in seed. Ah, yes. And so basically he was like, ooh, my wife's pretty. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't know, and um, gods didn't last long, did Yeah, know? basically they just jizzed all over themselves, so and then, then when it um, slid off, they the burst humans. The seed-soaked dick just went across the ocean, bursting yeah. different things. So many different things got burst from that, I think. Um, exactly, yeah. the furies might have been. I think, yes, yeah, some of the seed hit the ground, and then some of it dropped in the ocean, and the bit that dropped in the ocean birthed Aphrodite. Basically, a lot of jizz slides into places, <laughs> be it the ocean, the earth, or a mortal. And uh, babies happen. Imagine just chilling in your house and like a bit of cum just falls in your face when you're pregnant. <laughs> I don't want to imagine that. <laughs> you're just doing whatever ancient Greeks did. Like you're probably carving a statue or something. But yeah, no, seriously, some crazy stuff happens in this book. But like some of the crazier stuff happens, I think, because of the mortals as opposed to the gods. Like character wise, it's so full of like all these different, diverse, interesting characters. Who were some of your favourite ones? Ooh. Can I start with some of my least favourites? Yeah, you know, work your way up. Arachne. You didn't like Arachne? Okay, no. Arachne was kind of a pompous bitch. Yeah. We're going to like give you a bit of backstory. So Arachne, obviously this is going to be a story too with spiders. Basically there's this girl and she's a weaver. And she's a really good weaver. And so she's been saying to people, hey, I'm even better than Athena. So Athena's like, oh bitch, you thought. Comes <laughs> down to earth. As an old woman. Yeah, comes down to earth disguised as an old lady. And is like, hey, I heard you're better than Athena. And Arachne's like, you heard right. And like, so she transforms back into her normal Athena self. And is like, well, prove it. They have a weave off. That's not like... There's no need for the old woman disguised. There. <laughs> True. There? There's a lot of weird old women disguises. But basically, they have a weave off, right? And it's not like a wig sca- like snatching competition or anything. It's literally, they're weaving against each other. So... Uh, Athena, <laughs> Athena weaves the story of the gods becoming who they are, like getting their roles as gods and stuff, and like her own creation and all that kind of stuff. And it's really interesting and beautiful, and everyone's like, oh, this is cool. So Arachne decides to kind of like spill some tea as she's yeah. weaving, and she weaves hundreds of different stories of mortals getting like seduced raped and impregnated by all the different gods mainly zeus and athena's like oh no so like arachne's weaving was way better than athena's but athena's like oh you shouldn't have done that so arachne decides oh shit i'm either going to get killed or they're going to take away my ability to weave for the rest of my life so she goes outside and hangs herself yeah just so, there's a yeah. lot of suicide there's a lot of suicide like a lot of suicide and so here's the thing so she hangs herself and i think it's like girl 
Like, your weaving was amazing, but you shouldn't have done that. But you shouldn't have killed yourself either. Girl, what? Even though she probably would have killed her. So she takes pity. This comes up a lot. The gods took pity, quotations, and changed people into, like, animals or flowers or trees. So she changed Arachne into a spider, and she changed the noose around her neck into a silk thread. And that's why spiders weave. So it's one of those stories that explains things that happen in nature. Like there are stories that explain the dawn and the moon changing and the sun moving across the earth every day. There are stories explaining why we have snow and deserts too. Exactly. So there are ones that explain things and there are ones that are cautionary tales. And so this is one of those ones that explains things. But Arachne was a straight up pompous bitch. Like... And the the lesson there is don't be a bitch. Don't pretty much like don't be so conceited and say, "Hey, I'm better than this person." Yeah. And like knowing full well that person can fuck you up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um. So another character. I think I'll move to one I did like now. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, Metis, Athena's mom. Yes, Metis was awesome. Here's the thing: neither of us, before reading this book, realized Athena had a mom. Yeah. Because in everything we've read, it was always said that Zeus had a bad headache, split his head open, and Athena popped out fully grown. Never was it mentioned that he like there was a woman living in his brain. Yeah. It's messed up. Yeah, literally, Metis was a titan, and she boned Zeus, and she got pregnant. She loved Zeus. She did love Zeus. She was his teacher when he was a young boy. Like, I think Metis is his aunt. That's kind of fucked up now, I remember that she was his teacher. That's a bit... Yeah, teacher and you know but she doesn't say no aunt. to him because he tried to she says him. no a few times and then he wears her down because she changes a lot into animals and that's where we get metamorphosis from metis which i think is an interesting because you get so many words from greek myth and legend too so many words so many like lots of them but like yeah so he basically once he realizes metis is pregnant he eats her but he mainly does that because there's a prophecy that a son born of Metis is going to kill its father. Yeah. So, but Athena was a girl, so it was fine. So it's fine. But like Metis can't have sons now because she's literally in Zeus's brain, and she chooses to stay there because she's. Yeah. This is where we get conscience as well. Yeah, that's where we get conscience. Yeah. And it's so, it's really cool that um basically it explains anytime Zeus does something that's not assholey, it's because Metis was like, hey, you yeah, shouldn't do that. Exactly. The little voice inside your head that's telling you right from wrong. That's how that is explained. It's explained that there's a little woman in your brain who's like, maybe don't do that. <laughs> it's just really fascinating to see how the Greeks explain so many things we just take for granted nowadays. Yeah, like you don't even think about it now. And you're like, wow, there was like this whole story for it. And, and like, a beautiful oh. story sometimes. I mean, that story is not necessarily beautiful, <laughs> but some of them are. I think my least favorite character, as far as interest goes... And this hurts me to say, but it was actually Echo. And here's the thing. From the time when I was like 10, I have loved the story of Narcissus and Echo. And like, I was literally in Rome at a museum looking at a statue of Echo, talking about the story of Echo and Narcissus to my boyfriend. And he was just looking at me and I was going on and on. And I was like, what? And he's like, you know so much about this. And I'm like... Oh yeah, no, it's whatever. But like, I had read that story like 50 times throughout my childhood. And I always thought it was really interesting because basically Echo was a big old chatterbox. So she was talking all the time, loved gossip, you know, loved 
sticking her nose and everything. Mm-hmm. And Zeus was fucking all her friends. And she purposely misled Hera about it, saying it wasn't happening. So when Hera found out, she was like, I'm going to curse you. So she wasn't able to talk anymore unless she was repeating what was being said to her. And that's where we get echo from. Because when you say something in a room and it echoes, that's meant to be her saying things back to you because she can only say what you've just said. And hopefully there isn't too much echo in this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, we're in kind of a big room. We tried our best. But uh, yeah, like it was su- such a super interesting story. And I thought it was so cool. And then you find out about Narcissus as well because that explains the Narcissus flower because Narcissus is super beautiful and he's in the forest and Echo wants to say she loves him but he has to say I love you first or she can't say it back to him because of the curse and one day he's saying it but he's only saying it to his reflection and he's so in love with his reflection he doesn't move and he dies right there and turns into a flower and that was my least favorite story in all of mythos not because Fry didn't do a good job just because I realized how boring it is in comparison to the other ones yeah this is actually that I skipped that story I was like oh I don't care yeah, like I really liked it as a kid and now I'm just kind of like, wow, this isn't even half as dramatic as like Philemon and Baucus. That was so much more interesting. Yeah, you had all the drama like hidden from you. Exactly, like I didn't, like 12-year-old me didn't have access to the real tea and now a 22-year-old me actually gets to see what all the crazy shit was going on in Greece. Should we quickly explain our rating system? Yeah, okay, we have a rating system basically for individuality, for characters, for a story. It's kind of hard to rate this one on story because there's so many stories. Yeah. But it's pretty much just a case of we rate each category out of 10 and then at the end we have the overall rating out of 50. Yeah. So, and here's some paper moving here. We have all our... Because we're professional. So basically, for book, it's individuality, story and plot, characters, and then protagonist and narrator, and then an optional fifth one, which is adaption when it comes to like is this book an adaption of another you know like if it was say say we were reading um pride and prejudice and zombies which is an adaption of pride and prejudice like how does it hold up as an adaption you know do you think it's interesting because like it's a retelling but also does it make you feel the only one i've read is zombies i wouldn't know (laughs) but yeah so we only have four points for today so we'll be rating out 40. so out of 10 for individuality I'd give it a strong 8 I would also give it a very strong 8 because it's it's very different to what else you find out like yes it's a collection of stories but most collection of stories are either fairy tales or little stories yeah, people have themselves or they're aimed at kids and this really isn't yes this one is definitely not aimed at children and I wouldn't recommend children reading it but uh, story wise I would it's, give it a 10 I mean yeah they're, they've, they're stories that have lasted like millions of years exactly like, so it has to be a 10 yeah it's got to be a 10 like and there's even so the way, much in it yeah and even the way Fry retells it is great and it's he puts his own spin on things he makes it so interesting I just realised this is actually an adaption oh my god yeah this we're idiots <laughs> this is actually an adaption uh, okay as, as adaptions go I'm going to call this a 10 too yeah yeah no this is a total 10 because he takes this concept and all these crazy stories of diverse actions by all these gods with crazy powers doing even more bizarre things and it makes it so easy to to be entertained by and i just think he did a very good job and he put so much work into this because he's constantly going by like going on about how what words we've gotten from this specific 
ancient Greek Even character. Even Tully did his research. Yeah, like, he put so much work and love into this book. It was great. Like, he'd be going out of a hell. Oh, so this was a naiad, which is a river nymph, I believe. And because of this naiad, we actually have their name in 10 different species of flower and, like, three different species of beetle and, like, all these little tidbits like if you ever want to go to ancient greek trivia night i swear to god read this book first and you're set yeah you're gonna win so and for characters character wise i'm gonna say i think nine because there are so many different diverse ones but a lot of them do bleed together because yeah. a lot of the stories are very similar it seems that a lot of them were like your buyer pansexual i mean i did love that as a bi yeah. person representation is so important to me like of course if i'm reading a book and it's a straight couple it's whatever it's this is fine but when that's considered the norm and you don't feel like you can get to other kinds of media without having to worry about that it's kind of like mm. and then when you get something like this which is so old and it just further proves that homosexuality is not a choice and there's nothing wrong with you you're just living your life it's great and it shows that people used to be more accepting of it so much more accepting like for example um hermaphroditus yeah hermes and and aphrodite had a child it was a son named hermaphroditus and he was very modest but very beautiful and smart like he was a gorgeous guy really beautiful um but he was very modest and i think actually asexual possibly yeah, because from how it was described, he had literally zero interest in sex. Zero interest in, like, actions of the flesh, as it was called. Like, not at all. Didn't care. People were always trying to seduce him. And he was like, I'm not about that. That's not me. I'm good. So he went off to a river, and a river nymph was swimming there naked. And she was like, ooh, I see this really cute guy. So she was trying to seduce him, being all sexual, rubbing herself and stuff. And he was like, go away. Because she was trying more and more aggressively to seduce him. And he was like, no, I don't want this. So she swam off. Then he went for a swim and she swam back and jumped on him and he was trying to get her off of him and she sent a prayer up to the gods saying exactly the words were, I'm pretty sure, please make it so that me and this mortal can never part. So what the gods did was they fused these two, this woman and this man, into one person. Yeah. And that's where you get the word hermaphrodite from, which used to refer to people who were intersex. So... Well, people who are intersex who would have uh, both sets of genitals or something. Or like um, a... I'm trying to remember. I think they're called hidden uteruses where there's like you have male presenting genitals but you also might have like a small ineffective womb inside your body that doesn't actually do anything but it is there. So things like that are like someone who was gender fluid maybe. Yeah. They were all classed as hermaphrodites back then and they were actually honoured yeah. and like... So in some cases worshipped and considered divine beings yeah. which was freaking awesome because trans people get treated like shit now and Stephen Fry even mentions that like over time it would change and it's because society changed it's, and it's society... bigotry and it's terrible societal standards yeah. and just people deciding on the fly what isn't good anymore and like we could literally take a leaf out of ancient Greece's book in this case not the rapey bits but in this case of treating people with respect. Yeah, like, um, in terms of representation, considering the stories are so old, they're quite good at representation. Like, if you like LGBT content, not only is this book full of queer representation, it's written by a queer man. Yeah. So, like, 
I'm gonna say this is great. <laughs> and I mean, I don't even have to ask for narrator. We're giving Stephen Fry a ten. Full ten. His voice acting is already incredible. His emotion and his deliverance of the lines he's reading. I just thought it was great and it was such a, a wonderful read because he didn't read it in a way that was boring because while we could fall asleep to it because his voice is so naturally calming and inviting and very good at putting you to ease. Like Stephen Fry not only narrates these kind of books, he also narrates sleep stories. Yeah. So like if you want to read a calming, like listen to a calming story. If you want to listen to someone that's not about read while you sleep, yeah. Yeah, like he does that perfectly. But also when you're already fully awake and alert, it's very entertaining. And it's an he, interesting story. Exactly. He captures your interest with his words and the way he's speaking. It's fantastic. He just did a very good job. So overall, we've given it a 47. I believe so, yeah. Yes, yeah, so we've given it a 47 out of 50. That's very high for our first book. Yeah, like that's, I think that is a great. Like the rating system isn't perfect, but he just did so well. Considering he did so much for the research of this book, he put so much love and time into this book. He wrote it, he read it to us. All around, um, an amazing passion project on his yeah. part. We obviously recommend you read it if you haven't, and then... Um, if you want to read it physically, there are copies on like Amazon, and I'm sure they're in bookstores, and if you would like to use Audible to listen to it, it is there, and it's perfectly acceptable whether you want to buy it or you want to use a credit if you have an Audible subscription. It's great. So we definitely recommend you check out the book and like tell us your impressions of it. Yeah, like if you want to read the book and you want to say how you felt about a certain story or if you read another one of the series like Heroes, if you want to say what you thought of that one, if you think we should read it, like we'd love for you to get back to us. And like even if you just think we read this one and enjoyed it. Would we like another thing? Feel free to suggest something to us. Yeah, our Twitter is at adminkat, no spaces. Um, mm -hmm. You can talk to us there. We'll reply to you. We don't have a lot of followers here. Yeah, no, we are super down to chat with the fandom that we don't have. Yeah. But um, if you would like to be part of that fandom, like, let us know. Come message yeah, us. if you want to support us by listening to our stuff and giving us a good five-star rating. Yeah, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. But yeah, so don't forget, you can come back next month and we will be talking about The Handmaid's Tale. And we absolutely recommend that if you want to get everything out of this podcast, you read the book beforehand and tell us your impressions. Yeah, if you want to take some time to read that book and then listen along while we talk about our feelings on it, that would be great. But if at the same time you're not interested in reading it and you just want to hear us give our thoughts on it, that's totally cool. Because, you know, we all just have, we don't all have the time to yeah. get into the reading. But thank you so much for listening to us today talk about Mythos by Stephen Fry. I'm happy you could take the time. Um, tell us what you think. We are so open to feedback. Of course, this is our first episode and we want to get better. We want to grow. We want to know exactly what you want. Like, Even if you tell us you hated us, as long as you oh, give yeah. a reason. Like we'll if listen. you tell us why, like a specific critique of, hey, your quality wasn't great. Or, hey, maybe you should have rated it with these things in mind too. Or, hey, I wanted to know this about the book. Tell us that, and we'll include it in the next episode. So thank you for listening. This has been Adam and Kat's Book Club. I've been Adam. She's been Kat. I have. And uh, we'll see you next month. See you.